Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, am I on? Yes, there we go. All right. Uh, if I have not had a chance to meet you, if you're a first-time guest, my name is Aaron, a teaching pastor for Riverwood. Uh, today we get to continue on in our study through the book of Colossians uh, in our series called Centered. Back in 1999, two academic psychologists put together a video that was going to help measure selective attention. Well, the video ended up going viral. And so they did more research on the subject matter and eventually published a book in 2010 on the subject of selective attention. Now, I wanted to bring you the original video. However, when I found it on their website, there was this big disclaimer, and it could only be for individual use. You were not allowed to use it in any sort of public setting or presentation. I figured that they might make the argument that a sermon was a presentation, so therefore I will be above reproach and will not be showing you their video. However, there are a number of copycat videos out there. So I'm going to be able to show you one of those legally. In fact, uh, a PSA group in England uh, put together a video that they used for a commercial to make a point, and uh, it will help to make my point this, this morning. But before you see it, I need to let those of you who have seen either the original video or this PSA you're about to see or something similar, if you've seen something like this, be quiet. Don't blurt out the answer. Let everyone else have the opportunity, all right? So don't distract. Let them focus, okay? With that, please watch this. Well, I guess I'm going to have to describe it to you. Uh, okay, well, this is going to ruin it. Oh, well. Okay, so imagine there's four people wearing white and four people wearing black, and they uh, have this ball. Each, each team has a ball. And up on the screen comes, an, it says, awareness test. And then count the number of passes by the white team. Suddenly someone says go, and the teams start running all around. And they're passing the ball back and forth, and only the white are passing to one another, and the black are passing it to one another, and you're sitting there counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And, and suddenly you get to the place, place where suddenly the screen freezes, and it says, how many passes were there? If you answered 13, you are correct. And you're sitting there going, Yes, I'm good at this. And then they put up a question. But did you see the moonwalking bear? And you're like, what? No, there, there's no bear. And then it goes backwards. And this starts all over again. And sure enough, right there in the middle of everything, someone walks in in a bear suit, waves at the camera, and then does this horrible moonwalk out of the screen. And you're sitting there going, What? Well, the PSA was saying, this is how it is when people drive. They miss the bicyclists that are on the road. They're so focused on the road and other cars, they don't see the cyclists that are there. Now, the original video was actually uh, the guys, it wasn't a moonwalking bear. It was a uh, gorilla. So uh, same exact thing, people passing a ball around, in walked this gorilla, it stood in front of the camera, it beat its chest, and then it walked out. And, and in their 30-second little video, the bear was in the frame for all of like nine seconds. And yet, the majority of people miss it. Uh, as I was looking for some sort of video that I could legally use, I uh, found a college student's uh, homework assignment. She had done a video. And rather than having people pass a ball, she used the shell game. It's where she took a little Hershey's chocolate, put it underneath some cups. But rather than just three cups, she had nine cups. And so she had someone else's hands on the table helping her move them all around. Well, her little moonwalking bear or invisible gorilla was a rubber ducky. And so as it's going around, the rubber ducky comes in there, and you're thinking like, oh, yeah, I got that, because you've seen these sort of videos before. 
But then all of a sudden it gets to the end. It's like, did you see the rubber ducky? And you're going, yeah, I know this. And then suddenly, did you see the fifth hand? Well, wait, there were four hands there. And sure enough, when you watch it again, a fifth hand comes in. And then there were three different colors of cups. She changed totally one of the colors. They went from blue to green. Ever so slowly, they just started slipping, taking the blue ones out and slipping the green ones in. Now, the reason I'm telling you about her video is because she showed this to a bunch of her friends and then recorded their reactions. And none of them got it. None of them saw the rubber ducky. None of them saw the fifth hand. I didn't see the fifth hand. None of them saw the, the color change. So if you had seen the original video, chances are well over 50% of you would not have seen the moonwalking bear. It, it slips right past us. Now, the reason I'm talking about moon, moonwalking bears and invisible gorillas today is because our life is like a passing game. And we are told to pay attention and count the passes so we are all living in these frantic schedules. Everything's happening all around. And what it's doing is it's causing us to miss that which is more important, that which is right in front of us. And today in Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul is going to pull back the curtain and he's going to show the bear. He's going to let us see the invisible gorilla. We're going to see the rubber ducky. And what we're going to discover is it wasn't just like this little trick. We're going to discover that the passing game has been distracting us from that which is actually far more important. So to see it for yourself, I invite you to open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. If you did not bring a Bible, uh, we're going to be putting the scripture on the screen for you uh, so that you can read right along with us. We just really, really, really encourage you either download a Bible to your phone or stop by our resource table and pick up one of the Bibles that are there and take that with you because that way you can use it on Sunday mornings as well as any day of the week. We really want you to be uh, able to have the Bible and study it. Uh, as we get ready to read Colossians 3, 1 through 11 today, uh, let's pray and then we'll read all right, Heavenly Father, we are about to come to your holy scriptures. Uh, I believe that you wrote these through the Apostle Paul uh, to a, a church long ago in the small little town of Colossae. And yet the truths that you wanted them to hear through Paul's pen extend to us today. So, Father, help us to not be so arrogant to think that we are uh, way more modern and beyond these things. Help us also not to just try to force this into our biases but instead that we would just humbly approach your scriptures and let you through your Holy Spirit and these timeless words speak your truths to us. Because God, I believe you want to change us. You want to mold us into the image of Jesus, into the image of our creator, so that we would go and love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. So please, Father, have your way this morning. Speak through me, but more importantly, speak to these people and let them hear what you want them and need them to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Last week, as uh, we were kind of working towards the end of the sermon, we were in chapter 2 at the end, we were in verse 19, and I was pointing out that uh, Paul was telling us to hold fast to the head. But then I said, typically at that point, I would be giving practical application points for how do you actually do that? How do you hold fast to the head, the head being Christ? Well, I said, well, actually, Paul's going to tell us next week. Well, that next week is now this week. And Paul tells us right there at the very beginning in verses 1 and 2 how to hold fast to Jesus. He says in verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So if you want to hold fast to the head, if you want to stay centered on Christ, it is to seek the things that are above. But before we can really talk about that, that phrase there, we need to go back one phrase. We need to see that he first says that if you have been raised with Christ. The reason I need to point that out is because Paul is assuming his readers are Jesus followers. So that means if you are not a follower of Jesus, you have not put your faith in this whole gospel story yet, then the words you're going to hear today don't apply to you yet. Now, please listen, because when the day comes that your, your mind and heart and eyes are opened, and you realize the gospel is true, and you take this step and put your faith in Christ, then everything you've learned becomes true of you. And you'll be light years ahead of a lot of people who maybe grew up in the church and just assume they understand these things. But, so listen in, but you just need to know this is for people who have been raised with Christ. That phrase ties back to the resurrection, right? Just as Jesus was physically raised out of the grave, which we celebrate every year at Easter, You, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you were spiritually raised to walk in newness of life, as Paul puts it in Romans 6. You you have this new create, you are this new creation. We're going to talk about this a little more this morning. You have a new self. You have been raised with Christ. But he he brings this imagery up because he just used it a chapter before. He, He said back, if you were here with us two weeks ago when I did my little courtroom sermon, We heard that if you are a follower of Jesus, that when you put your faith in him, your sinful self was buried with Christ, and then you were raised with him. So this new creation has now come forth. And so it's what um, many uh, uh, theologians would call the now, not yet. You are now, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are now completely forgiven. Your sin is washed away. It is not held against you. And yet you still wrestle with it. There's this earthly part of you. And so that is why Paul is saying, if you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above, right? This is what you need to treasure. This is what you need to go after. In fact, Paul wants this to, you to understand this so much, he repeats himself in verse two. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Right, so, so set your mind, your affections on heavenly things. Now, I've never been to heaven, right, so I can't write a book, you know, 23 minutes in heaven or anything like that. Right, so this isn't about, imagine what it's like to walk the streets of gold and what would skyscrapers look like or is it just a bunch of mountains? That's not what he's talking about. Right? He's saying, make Jesus your affection. And, and have you ever been in a long-distance relationship? 
Summer after Leanne and I started dating, I went back home to Shenandoah, Iowa. She returned to Topeka, Kansas. This is back when long-distance calls actually cost money. So we only allowed ourselves to call each other once a week. And it had to be like a 30-minute because that's about all we could afford on our, on our budget. So we were writing letters. Now, I'm living in Shenandoah, but you know where my heart was? It, it was in Topeka. A- and this is what Paul's getting at. That even though you're on earth, your heart needs to be with Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that the things of this earth are evil, they're wrong, they're bad. No, God made this earth. God made you for relationships. He made you to get a job. He made you for these things. But what happens is these things of the earth become more like a curtain to God rather than a window to him. When you eat good food, you should not just be celebrating the food. You shouldn't just be celebrating the chef. You should be celebrating the one who created food and gave you a tongue to be able to enjoy it. It should be a window, but too often we let it be a curtain and we just get caught up counting the passes. That's why Paul is warning us, set your heart, set your mind, set your affections on Christ. Make it about him. Because too often we're letting our jobs, our relationships, our past, our hobbies, our sports teams, our addictions, our whatever, be what our focus is on. And he's saying, guys, you've been raised with Christ. You've been given this new identity. So don't let your heart settle with the things of this earth. Let them set on the things that are far more important. Put your mind and heart on Christ. Now, how do you go about doing that? How do you actually set your mind on things above? Well, Paul's going to tell us. He's going to get very, very practical. However, before he gets practical, he gets a little theological. Look there in verse 3. He says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So your sinful nature, if you are a follower of Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus, your sinful nature died. It's gone. It's done with. It is no longer tied to the things of this world. As we saw, I, I forget if it was last week or, or the week before, we, we took a moment to talk about marriage. That if a spouse dies, you're no longer married. Likewise, you were kind of married to your sin nature, and, and yet when you died to sin, you're no longer tied to it because you're now in a relationship with God. You're now tied to him. It's to be all about him. That's why he then says that your life is hidden with Christ It's this imagery that you are in him and Christ completely surrounds you. And so because Christ has completely surrounded you, this is now your identity. This is to be everything about you. And so because your sinful nature has died and you're hidden with Christ, here's what you know practically go do. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. When he says put to death, he is not saying pick up a knife and go and stab these things. All right? None of these things were human. Right? You, can't, the, you can't kill a non-living thing. Now what he means is get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Again, you are completely forgiven through Christ, but yet there are still these earthly things in you. 
And so you are to get rid of those. Because notice he says, you are to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And to help us out, he lists them. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Covetousness is just simply longing and wanting for what others have. Wishing that it was actually yours. Now, some of you, you look at that list and you're like, yeah, those, those are bad things. Yeah, sexual immorality, um, you know, evil desires, you know, envy, longing what other people have. But Paul's not done. He doesn't stop there. After, in verses 6 and 7, after basically saying, well, you used to be this way, but now you're in Christ. So therefore, because you are in Christ, verse 8, but now you must put away, uh, oh, sorry, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And then he starts off verse 9 by saying, do not lie to one another. Some of you, when you saw the first list in verse 5, you're going, yeah, those, th- those things are bad. Those are wrong. But now suddenly we come to a verse, and it's like, okay, yeah, but I don't think Paul actually means, these are ones that are a little more easy to hide. They're a little easier to justify. We, we make excuses for them. But be honest with yourself. Do any of you struggle with anger? A- any of you ever given into slander? Saying things about people, especially behind their back? Or maybe in your mind? The ver- first part of verse 9. Have you, have you ever lied to someone else? Hey, yeah, but Aaron, it was, it was just a small lie. I mean, it's not like I murdered somebody. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron, it wasn't my fault that he was such a jerk. He deserved to hear those things. Like, Aaron, Aaron it, it's not that big of a deal. And yet Paul is saying those things are of earth. This is not putting you where you want to be and where God wants you to be. So put it away. Put it to death. So you know what that means? For some of you, it means you're going to have to delete that app off your phone. Some of you, you're going to have to block that contact so that he or she cannot get in touch with you. Some of you, you're going to have to figure out a way to block access to those websites. Some of you, you're going to have to change how you shop and only get your groceries by shopping online so that you're not tempted to walk through certain aisles. It's not easy. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. For some of us, this is embarrassing. Death is painful. But if you're going to see the life that God wants you to have, you're going to have to go through that uncomfortability right now. Now, I can't tell you how long it's going to last. It depends on what it is you're going to have to put to death. For some of you, you'll be over it in a week or two. Some of you, it may take a few weeks or months. Some of you, this might be a journey of years. But it's worth it. Some of you know that about a year ago, I had to go gluten-free. And I'll tell you, those first two, three months were hard. Because I like bread. A lot. And pasta. And donuts. And basically carbs. I am a carboholic. Okay, we're at Carboholics Anonymous. I confess, hi, I'm Aaron. I'm a carboholic. I like my starches. And so it was hard. And I complained a lot for the first two, three months. Now you roll a plate of donuts in front of me, not a temptation at all. And some of it is because we found alternatives that, that I can have. And I've actually come to like the alternatives better than what I used to have. But in the beginning, it was torture. 
Now you couldn't even get me to have some of that stuff. Because number one, I don't miss the gut ache that it brought. I don't miss some of the other stuff, which we won't mention in the sermon. But it, like, the benefits have been worth it. It may be really, really painful and hard for you in the beginning to do these things, to put these things to death. But it will be worth it. Do it. Keep going. Stick it out. Don't let yourself get caught up in the passes and end up missing the love of God and his grace, which is right there. So, put it to death. Thankfully, Paul gives us a tip on what will help us in this battle. Pick it back up in verse 9. We saw the first phrase, do not lie to one another. Now in the second half. It says, seeing that you have put off the old self. All right, so your, your old self, your sinful self with its practices. You've put that off. That is now dead. And have put on the new self, the part of you that has now been raised with Christ. You put on this new self, which is, notice this, being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. God is wanting you to look like Jesus. The way we say at a Riverwood, to love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. He's wanting you to reflect the image of your creator. Then he says in verse 11, here, all right, in this spot, for people who are in Christ, right here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barian, scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. Notice he just gave a bunch of labels. He, he, he described people by their, like, their, their race, Greek and Jew, by their religious practices, circumcised and uncircumcised, by maybe their uh, you know, tribe, barbarian, Scythian, economic status, slave-free. Too many times we, we label people, and, and therefore that's how we identify them. What, what happens is people label us, and many of us have accepted those labels, or for some of us, we've made our own labels and put them on ourselves. Now, some of the labels aren't bad. Father, husband, pastor. None of those are evil and wrong. But what can happen is we put those labels on ourselves. And because we may do, do something. So, for instance, some of you, your label is a, you're a sports fan of a certain team. And so when you wear the colors of your sports team, you hang out with other people who, who follow the same sports team, they wear the same colors, and they accept you because of that. So because you've received some acceptance, you pour deeper into that identity. This is who you are. And so you get everything out of this. But that is an earthly identity. What you're doing is you're settling. And sometimes by having these earthly identities, it leads us into those sinful things. And that's what's keeping us tied here. Instead, shed it off, put it to death, get rid of that earthly label, and let your first and foremost label be that of child of God. If you've put your faith in Jesus, God does not look at you and identify you by your addiction. He does not look at you and judge you according to how you voted last week. He does not look at you and, 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 and value you based upon your skin color or your height or your gender. There is no longer Greek and Jew, slave and free, circumcised and uncircumcised, because Christ is all. That's what it's about. It's about the gospel. It's about God's heart. It's God's love for you. It's Christ. Christ in all and Christ for all. So really what it comes down to is identity. How do you identify yourself? 
What are the labels that you are accepting? What are the labels you're putting on yourself? I'm not asking you to say no to those labels. Right? So please, if you're married, don't go into get divorced. Please keep the label of, of married. But is that what your first and foremost identity is? Is that the thing of earth that, that's keeping you going? Is that where all your affections are? Because I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be as good of a spouse as you think you are. Is your identity first as a parent? Or is it your major? Is it your sports, your athletics? Is it that hobby? Is it that future career? None of those are wrong. But too often, we're letting that be what we're all about rather than letting us be about Jesus. I had an opportunity to meet Tony many years ago. Tony, um, when I met him, I uh, was about six inches taller than me, which really isn't that hard to do. Um, but he also was probably about 100 pounds uh, heavier than me, and it was not fat. I mean, the dude was jacked. And I found out that Tony was fresh out of prison. It, it turns out that Tony had gotten involved in the um, uh, fight club scene. This is before MMA was actually legal and popular. And at one point, Tony actually uh, held, he, he claimed it, and I have no reason to doubt him, but he claimed to own the, the record for fastest knockout. Right? Now, I don't know if that was just state of Iowa, if they, that was nationwide, but he said that he knocked out a guy in eight seconds. And I'm looking at Tony, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can believe it. You'd probably knock out me in like two. <laughs> and yet, Tony was the nicest guy you'd ever meet. I, Tony had a permanent smile plastered on his face. And he would say to me, Aaron, Whatever you need. Man, if you need me to help set up chairs, I'd love to do it. If you need me to help give someone a ride, I'll do it. Whatever you need, I'd love to just serve. Because you see, his whole life had been under the label of angry young man who was strong and tough and could beat anyone up. But when that life led him to prison, he met Jesus. And now the anger was gone. And he didn't see himself as an angry man who needed to punch people. He saw himself as the guy saved by God's grace who could go and love people and serve them. The story that God wrote in Tony's life, God can write in your life. God does not want you defined by whatever. He wants you defined by Jesus. Because Tony was one of the happiest people I met, and everyone around him loved being around him. You see, the benefit isn't just for you. It will be for your family. It will be for your kids. It will be for your coworkers. It will be for your classmates. It will be for your roommate. As you find this joy and identity in Christ, it will have ramifications around the world. So, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been buried with Christ and raised with him. So therefore, will you set your mind on things above, not on these earthly things? Because you have fundamentally changed you are no longer identified by that addiction, by that past, by that mistake, by that sin. You are now identified by the love of Jesus who died for you and gave himself for you. Will you let that be your center, your identity? If you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I invite you during this next moment of prayer, to put your whole faith, your whole trust in this story. I realize it's ludicrous to think that there was a God 
who sent his one and only son to this earth to take on human flesh, to live the life that you and I couldn't live, that he died in our place so that our sins could be forgiven. It's a crazy story. And yet it's true. It has changed countless Tonys around the world. And it can change you. Our world needs you to live out this gospel. As, as Paul said, to be made into the image of our creator. Because when you are made in that image, you will go and love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. But it means you're going to have to stop being about yourself, stop living out these earthly labels, and instead live out a Christ-centered identity, letting him do in you what only he can do so he can do through you what he wants to do. And so as we prepare to come to the communion table, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we just bend our knees right now before you in our hearts. Many of us realize that we have been so caught up in our schedules. We've been so caught up in our worries. We've been so caught up in our past. We've been so caught up in our projects. We've been so caught up in these problems. We've been counting the passes, and yet we've been missing you. You've been right there in front of us this whole time, wooing us, telling us you love us. We see it so clearly and evidently through Jesus on a cross and coming out of an empty tomb. We hear it in his voice, asking us and beckoning us to follow him. So God, right now, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would help us to do that, that we would confess our sin, we would lay it down, we would put it to death. Father, some people here, this is gonna be a really hard week. Because right now they're saying yes to you, but they've got to go home. They've got to go to work. They've, they've got to return back to those relationships. So Father, I pray you'd give them wisdom. You'd give them strength. I pray you'd bring people alongside of them to walk this with them. For those who are in a growth group, that their growth group would be a part of that support. That we as a, a, as a church would be there to bear one another's burdens and help each other to walk this life you call us to walk. Because, Father, you are not calling us to legalism to somehow earn your favor. You're calling us to freedom because we have your favor. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would work right now as sin is confessed, as, as, as um, barriers are broken, as we, we bend our knees to you, saying, you are God, you are good, you've done so much for us. So help us now to have the courage, to have the strength to put these things to death and to live out a Christ-centered identity. Because Jesus, I want you to be my label and I want that to be the label of these people so that they would live in the freedom and joy of your gospel and they could go and be a blessing to everyone they interact with. Lord, you have done this time and time again. And so I pray you do it yet again on this day in this place for these people. So Father, have your way with us. Do what you need to do for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name we pray.